0: The FT. Hello and welcome to Hard Currency, the FT's weekly forex podcast, taking a hard look at what's driving the world's largest financial market. I'm Delphine Strauss, the FT's currencies correspondent, and I'll be talking you through the market trends of the week with the help of my special guest, Mark Chandler, foreign currency strategist at Brown Brothers Harriman. Mark, let's start with the dollar, whose rally paused in November but has taken off again since last week's OPEC meeting triggered a fresh slide in the oil price. The calculation is that the US economy will gain overall from a lower oil price, leaving the path open for the Fed to raise rates next year, while European and Japanese policymakers will be much more concerned about the deflationary effects. We're speaking just before a crucial decision by the ECB, which could spark a lot more volatility in the euro dollar rate in the short term. But we're also about to get the latest data from the US labour market. And that will, of course, feed into the Fed's final policy decision of the year. What do you think the chances are of another big move in the dollar before the year-end, and how is this divergence story going to play out next year?
1: Sure, yeah. I think you're right that the divergence story is the main story. It's on economy, it's on interest rate outlook, and it's also on perceptions of how to deal with the shocks like the drop in oil prices. And so I'm looking at the likelihood then that this divergence theme uh, continues to play out next year and that the dollar continues to rally, leaving aside uh, the short-run impact of what the ECB may do or the U.S. jobs data. I think it's going to be very hard to change this mindset, which seems to be uh, deeply deeply rooted now. And that's what my concern is, is that it's one thing to be bullish the dollar when no one else is, but now everybody has the same views. And that's what I think is... uh, is scary, and I think that beginning of this year, no one expected U.S. Treasury yields to fall like they have. Nobody expected oil prices to fall like they have, and so I think that investors are probably best served thinking how the consensus can be wrong or where the consensus will be wrong.
0: So, what do you think the main risks to the consensus are?
1: Well, it seems to me that the most movable part—it's not like the ECB or the eurozone is going to dramatically grow faster. We're not going to talk about two or three percent growth in the eurozone next year, and so it seems to me that the most likely part that can move would be in the U.S. And it seems to me the consensus view, which I also share, is that the Federal Reserve will raise rates in the middle of next year, around the middle of next year, whether it's June, July, maybe even September. Somewhere around the middle of next year, the Fed's going to lift rates. What can go wrong with that? The U.S. economy could stall. We're already seeing, I think, signs that the U.S. economy is tracking somewhat lower than 3% growth here in Q4. So, one thing that could go wrong is that the U.S. economy again disappoints people who are looking for a return to the early 2000s or before when trend growth in the U.S. was 3 to 3.5 percent. And given the lower population growth, slower growth in the labor force, and slower productivity, maybe growth, trend growth, is only closer to 2 to 2.5 percent.
0: Do you think politics will get in the way? I know you're not a big fan of the phrase currency wars, but uh, do you think there would be at some point resistance in the US to dollar strength?
1: I think that the resistance won't come from the dollar side of it. It won't come from the US complaining about the strength of the dollar. Rather, I think it'll come from other countries who take action to get concerned. For example, as dollar-yen approaches 120, I think that we see uh, some Japanese officials, some parts of Japanese industry, expressing more concern that a weak yen is not going to solve some of the other structural issues in Japan. So I do think that there will be a pushback. I think that these kind of long-term trends in the currency markets typically do not end without policy action. And so uh, I do think, just like the dollar probably overshot to the downside, the risk is the dollar overshoots to the upside, and it takes policy to stop that.
0: Thanks. Let's move on from there to the yen, which is now trading within a whisker of 120 to the dollar, just over a week before Japan holds snap elections that are expected to confirm the government's majority. That would be taken as a vote of confidence in Abenomics. Mark, do you think things are really going to go as smoothly as that? Or do you think the elections will provoke more disruption?
1: Well, there's an interesting thing that's happened with the surveys from the Japanese newspapers now show that the LDP, the ruling party, may retain its supermajority. And the supermajority is above two-thirds, and that is to allow legislation to be passed. And I think that the Abenomics is the immediate focus. But I think that if Abe does get such a supermajority, I think that he's going to feel more resolved to really push his political agenda, which is unpopular, including restarting nuclear plants, changing the Constitution, and allowing Japanese forces to defend other countries so i think that the abonomics itself we already know what it is monetary policy aggressive the bank of Japan is expanding its balance sheet by 1.4 percent of gdp a month it is a huge unprecedented aggressive monetary policy i think we should expect a supplemental budget as well but i think i'm more optimistic on the economic outlook for japan I think that the sales tax hike in April is almost fully absorbed now, and I think that we should be looking for stronger growth here in Q4 and Q1. But I do think that you're right that a supermajority victory by the LDP and its coalition partner will embolden Abe, but I think not so much on his economic agenda, which seems to be more or less in place, but on his political agenda.
0: If an election victory did send the yen through 120 at last, how much further would it go?
1: Well, I think you're right. A lot of people have been watching this 120. It's important psychologically, but I think that the call for next year, I think the consensus is coming in around between 125 and 130. I think the consensus is not just about a strong dollar, but I think people are looking at how fast the BOJ how aggressive its monetary policy is. And remember, it's not just buying JGBs. It's also buying commercial paper. It's buying REITs. It's buying corporate bonds. It's buying ETFs on the Japanese stock market. A whole wide range of assets. And I think that this facilitates a very bearish view of the yen.
0: Thanks. Finally, let's take a quick look at Sterling, which has been fairly steady after an autumn statement in which the Chancellor slightly raised his forecast for growth in the next couple of years but admitted he would miss borrowing targets and gave a lower projection for long-term growth. Sterling investors may not see this as a significant shift in the economic outlook, but it was also a highly political statement that will set the stage for next year's general elections. At what point are currency markets going to start worrying about political risks for UK assets?
1: Yes, I think there's a very good question, because I think that as we approach the elections, it seems that the polls suggest that the Tories and Labour are neck-to-neck And that the government's promise to have a referendum on EU membership was preconditioned, or I should say conditioned on the fact that the Tories would win an outright majority, which seems highly unlikely now. Some people might wonder if Osborne has a sense of humor, and I think that in the autumn statement, by revising next year's GDP up one-tenth of a percent, it shows he does have a sense of humor, that the one-tenth of a percent is hardly, uh, it's it's a rounding error. It's inconsequential, and our forecasts as economists are off by so much, so often, that one-tenth of a percent doesn't really mean anything. I think that the U.K. is benefiting, though, from the perspective or from the expectation that it will be the next central bank after the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates. The market has been pushing the first rate hike from Q1 of next year. Some people actually thought it could happen in the fourth quarter of this year. We were in the camp that said uh, Q1 of next year, but now we realize that that is also too early and that something closer to the end of next year is more likely. But as we get closer to the election, so I think that we have to get past the beginning of the start of the year, have to turn to the, probably in January, February, as the election approaches three months, I think that's the window to be looking at. As we approach three months away from the election, what will happen? And I think that, it's not only thinking about UK economics, but also the implications of those Scottish nationalists being annoyed with Labour's lack of support for their independence. I think that the loss of the Liberal Democrats' support, where the UKIP is rising to be the third largest in the surveys. So I think that the UK politics is quite messy and that we should be expecting then some kind of coalition government without the Lib Dem after the spring election.
0: Okay, that's it from us this week. Mark Chandler at Brown Brothers Harriman, thank you very much. Hard Currency will be back next week, but until then, you can read up-to-date FX news and analysis on our website, ft.com forward slash fx goodbye for more downloads go to ft.com forward slash podcasts
1: here at bellingcat we get to the bottom of things from a global crisis to an under-reported event we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface